Hello, my name is Tanai and I'm a women's intimacy and empowerment coach. For years, I tried to heal what I thought was commitment phobia, and I realized that there's actually no such thing. This podcast is an opportunity to have conversations about what gets in the way of us creating real intimacy, and how can we have more deep and vulnerable connections in our relationships. This is Commitment Phobe. Hi, everybody. Today, I'm joined by Janira Martinez. And Janira is a fellow recovering commitment phobe, which I haven't had on in a while on this podcast. I feel like it's been a while since I've actually spoken about even commitment phobia. So this is going to be exciting because we'll get to hear her story and all the like the, the roller coaster, right? Because when you, even on the healing of, you know, intimacy, then you start facing all the things that were in the way. So it's like, yeah, there's, there's a whole journey there. So it's going to be a juicy conversation. So happy to have you here. Why don't we start with you telling the world what you do? You're, you're such a powerful coach. Um, you work with plant medicine, which is incredible. Who do you help and what do you help with? Love and always hate that question. <laughs> what, how do we... How do we boil this down? Yeah, so I call myself a desire and soul coach. And I work primarily with women in in really revealing their deepest soul desires and living that out in the world. And so we do a lot of, my uh, the foundation of my work is uh, somatic based. We do a lot of somatic work to uncover where the soul lost its power and got disconnected from its true self and we bring those back home we bring those online yeah so so women can really thrive in relationship in purpose you know in connection with what who they really are i love that i'm curious within that what the connection for you is with using your voice because you know something that I'm always very struck by in you and, and like inspired by is your um, just fearlessness and how you share your voice and you share the sides that people, most people don't, right? Like you're not afraid to show your anger. You're not afraid to show that you're like annoyed or pissed at something. And in a way it's like a very energetic anger. Like I've seen you kind of lift people up, like call them out to raise them to something bigger. So I'm curious what role that plays in, yeah, in your mission. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been asked that before. And that, you know, I, I, that's a part of myself that I really reclaimed the, my voice and the power of my truth. You know, So, uh, my journey has been one of letting go of the shame. It's not even so much like sometimes there's fear around like expressing ourselves, but for me, it was so much more like shame and, and, and distrust really of what I feel and feeling like it's, it's like, I'm worthy enough to speak that in the world, that anyone's going to care, that it's going to matter, that's going to have an impact. And so, yeah, I've had a long journey, mostly in the last like seven years of getting to a place where I can really trust that and like fiercely express, like, actually I'm at a place now where if I don't, I feel like some, like something rotting inside of me, like it's painful not to, right. It, it really is a expression of, of my power and, and a gift, right. To 
to give that uh, expression space. I don't know if that answers your question directly. Oh, it definitely did. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned that, you know, you're so sensitive now to speaking that truth and expressing those feelings that you feel that discomfort in your body. Right. I, I mean, I, I relate. I actually, I think I always was that way. I just didn't trust it. Um, and now I'm like, Oh, that's my body really communicating. But, you know, I think like you and I are both in spaces where we're surrounded by people that do a lot of work. And I just really loved your reminder that, you know, there's so many people out there like we were that didn't even trust their feelings. So it's not even just about feel your feelings, but then there's also trust them. Yes. I know that they matter and they're important and they need healthy outlets. And yeah, sometimes it does come out in the form of some ferocious anger because that's like the resonance thing that's like, that's needed, right? To be unleashed, to set you free. Yeah. There's so much more I could say about that. Yeah, I know. I'm like, oh yeah. Like, okay. The conversation we're having today is about your, your recovery from being yeah, your own version of commitment phobic and being the cool girl. So yeah, let's just, let's just take it back to old Janeira. Tell us a little bit about who you were when you acted like, like you weren't phased by things, like you didn't care, like you didn't want closeness. You just had that cool thing going on. What was going on for you? Well, you know, it's actually very much connected to what we were just talking about, you know, with recovering my voice and more, no, more than my voice, my feelings, because when I was the cool girl, I acted like I didn't have any feelings. Like everything was fine all of the time. Like go with the flow, chill vibes, like, you know, all of that. I was really cut off from myself and my deeper truth. And I, I grew up conditioned to to be this way so I grew up in a family that did not allow for emotional expression like I would just be beaten (laughs) if like you want a reason to feel to cry well we'll give you a reason and you know I my coping mechanism or survival strategy was just to well you know like stuff it down stuff it all down and like make do with what is what what is allowed like you know don't don't feel, don't be in sight, like don't, don't bother anyone. And so, yeah, that rolled over into my relationships, both my platonic like friendships and my romantic relationships with men. I just, I showed up in this way where I repressed any of my feelings and it was so, it was so deeply conditioned that I wasn't even aware for a long time that I was doing that. It was just the automatic like mode of operation. Like what? I have feelings. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Wow. So, so what what were your first interactions with men? Were you just kind of like the casual hookup girl or like the, I don't care about you kind of girl? Oh my God. Yeah. So exactly that. I was casual hookup girl. I mean, I didn't have a boyfriend until I was 20, a little before I turned 21 and like an official boyfriend. And even him, like he wanted to be my boyfriend. And I kept telling him like, no, like we could just keep it casual. Okay. And I like, I mean, eventually like I opened to, to actually letting, you know, us have this beautiful commitment. But before that I was just having casual hookups and it pretending that that was enough, like pretending I was liberated and free and like, I didn't need anything more. And actually it was a big rebellion because my mom told me growing up that I, 
that men would just want to use me. So I'm like, I'm not going to let anybody use me. I'm going to use them, you know? I'm like, it was this whole sick, twisted game that I was playing. I know, but I, I can so relate, but it's interesting. I didn't have my mom say that. Um, for me, it was like a combination of not getting male attention when I was little. And then like a combination of movies and friends of like the story where the girl likes the guy and the guy doesn't like her back. And then I'm like, I'm not that pathetic girl. Like I'm not, you know, that's not going to happen to me. Oh, that word pathetic. That was the exact thing I was always trying to avoid. I deeply relate like that girl in the movies, that girl that's like pining over a guy or romance, like hell no, that's not going to be me. Disney fairy tale girl, like typical. Nope. Uh, so I, I just act like I didn't give a crap about any of it. Mm. I, I like, I'm very curious about your mom telling you, you know, men are just going to screw you over whatever you feel comfortable to share about that and, and where that was coming from and the impact on you. Yeah. And I will, I will say that not all of this like was conscious, like I'm going to play this game with men, like they're, where I'm going to use them. And, but I, since doing a lot of work and like re- reflecting on my behavior, you know, I have distilled that and I've done a lot of work around, uh, around the childhood stuff. And my mom, I mean, she was projecting a lot of her own pain body, her own experiences with men, her own resentment, her own, uh, you know, feelings of being used and left, you know, by, uh, and left with us kids by men who wouldn't commit. Right. Who, so she felt used you know, sexually. And, and so there was a lot of that and it was constant. And I didn't grow up with my father. So if if I would ask about him, like she would just really like get very bitter, very negative. Why do you want to know? And then men are this, men are that they're just going to do X, Y, and Z. And, and yeah, it was, it was really like programmed into my psyche. That's just what it was. Yeah. You didn't have like an immediate like representation or or like connection to a man in your life right like is did you have a grandparent or like an uncle what what did you use as like your yeah as your baseline for men and your relationship I did grow up with my stepfather and that was rather traumatic um and you know so like I said my, my home was like they were physically abusive both my mom and stepfather and there were other ways my stepfather didn't show up or support my mom in the way that she needed. So, so there was this, you know, there was a figure, a male figure in my life, but that was not a healthy representation of the masculine it was like just someone who causes you pain and more burden. Right. And then the longing for this fantasy of my birth father, like someone who could be an alternative to that, but then, you know, my mom's like crushing of any possibility of, of him or any man <laughs> being good. Yeah, so I, I didn't have, I mean, I had uncles and godparents. Actually, my godfather <clears throat> who passed away a few years ago was like one really clear, clean representation of a healthy masculine. I, I really felt that when he passed away in the grief, like, wow, that was the one person that I saw as like this loving, devoted beautiful masculine figure. And unfortunately, I, you know, wasn't as close to him as, as I would have liked to be. Yeah. So where, where does your journey take that turn of, of wanting to, or, 
healing the masculine? Like, is it something that you sought out or something that just happened? Yeah. How did you, how did you start healing that? Yeah. So I was having all that casual sex, pretending I didn't want a relationship, pretending because actually I did. And I wasn't willing to admit it because I wasn't in touch with my feelings. You know it at the time that you wanted a relationship? Like, were you aware? You know, what would happen is after I'd have sex a few times with these men and I would leave their house, there'd be this overwhelming, like heaviness, like a gloom and resentment. And that same thing that my mom told me that I was experiencing feeling used and wondering why they weren't asking me for more, why they weren't asking me to go out, why they weren't like asking me to be their girlfriend. Like I had given them, you know, the thing that they want. I'd given them the sex. So I'd feel that I, I have distinct memories of walking out of these, this guy, like these different men's apartments and feeling that and then just shoving it back down. So it would pop up in moments, the desire, the deeper desire, but I didn't really give it the space. I bet you were even like, well, I'm not being needy. So like what, what's going on? Right. Cause I, I thought that like, I'm going to do it right. I'm never going to ask for anything. I'm never going to complain. And then they're going to fall in love with me. Exactly. I'm going to be so the opposite of all these other pathetic women. So I'm going to be so cool and give them, you know, amazing sex that then they're, of course, they're going to want me and, and ask me for that commitment. And you'll never get her. Yeah. It never happened. So yeah, that went on for quite some time. The one exception was that guy that at 21 became my boyfriend. That was a beautiful, deep, like really healthy relationship. I, I think it was really like a soul connection, past life. There's all this the beautiful stuff that we that we felt in our connection. I tried though, I tried to keep it casual for quite some time and like was seeing other guys and one night seeing another guy. I was like just so unaligned. I felt like I was cheating. I felt like I, I felt horrible and I I stopped that interaction and, and eventually went. You know, when I saw the guy again, I, I told him, okay, I'm in. But he ended up leaving to travel um, the world. Like we didn't break up, but he left to travel the world for a year. And so, yeah, and we were supposed to meet up, but uh, what, you know, it didn't happen. And he met someone else in his travels. Mind you, I had told him like, you can go and be free. Like, I want you to be free. Don't, you don't have to stay committed to me. I was trying to be the cool girl. Oh, and so after that happened, I closed my heart again and I didn't have a boyfriend for, for years. I just did the casual thing again for years, just same pattern over and over again. And the shift happened one night when I was sleeping with this guy and feeling completely empty. I mean, it literally felt like I was watching a movie of myself being fucked. Like I just was not in my body. I was just, he was thrusting into me. I was feeling absolutely nothing, which was unusual because I could, I could feel a lot in my sex. And I, mostly because I could make myself like contort my body to feel like, you know, if I squeezed and twisted in the right way, I could, you know, and if I fantasized also, then I could feel a lot, but none of that was working. And so I was just not in my body. And when he finished, I rolled over and he passed out and I was up the whole night, the whole night, just feeling this knot in my throat, this weight in my chest, just this really like 
heavy and painful. And like, there was something that wanted to be expressed, but I couldn't express it. I felt sad, you know, I felt sad and I couldn't quite fully like access that. Like I wanted to cry and I couldn't. And it was in that moment, or maybe the next day, I can't quite remember that I recalled this practice that somebody told me about that helps you connect with your sexuality, your, your, your orgasm. And basically in that moment, I was thinking like, I must be broken because I can't feel anymore. Like I used to feel pleasure. I used to feel like, you know, like all this, um, orgasmic energy in my sex, like I can climax, no problem. And so I was feeling sad, but I couldn't access it. So rather than make it about the sadness and the disconnection that I had with this man, I was like, oh, something's wrong with me. I'm broken. I need to fix and heal my, my body, my sex. And so I went and, and, you know, like looked up this practice and started taking classes to connect, reconnect with my body. And actually what I discovered in that journey was that it wasn't about my body. Nothing was wrong. I wasn't broken. It was just all the emotions that I'd been numbing and all the truth of like my actual desire for intimacy, for a real relationship and connection with a man, not just being fucked, was just finally like all boiling up to the surface and making me be unable to continue that pattern. And so that was the beginning of my uh, my healing (laughs) from all of that with the masculine. The thing that comes to mind is that the body never lies. Right. Cause I think I've definitely been in moments in my life where I'm really not aware of what my deeper desires are, but the misalignment is in my body. Like the misalignment is my body. I can't sleep. My body's tight. I'm in my head. Like, yeah, those are just all the, the signs, right. That you're not really um, listening to yourself. So that's like a wake up call for you. Exactly. It was like, this is off. This is not working. Like my body clearly didn't even want to be there in that moment with that guy anymore. I was just like, I, I I can't even like experience this anymore. I'm going to check out. And it was, it was my mind thinking, okay, I need to go down this path and like fix myself. But thankfully, right. The deeper stuff was revealed inside of that journey. What are some of those big moments that you remember from that specific time when you're reconnecting to yourself? What did you like learn about yourself at the time? Well, that I have a lot more in there than I care to admit. A lot more feelings, a lot more sadness and grief. So many tears. Oh my God, that was huge. Just like crying like every day for two months when I started this journey. I was like, what the hell is this? (laughs) And couldn't stop it. And it actually felt good, but it was you know just really like, uh, foreign to me, but I learned like, oh, this is healing. Like I could feel the like the pipes opening inside of me, like the the pressure valves, like releasing, like all that built up pressure of like pretending to be happy and fine and cool with everything. It's finally letting go. So I was seeing the power of feeling, like the sadness, the grief, right, the longing for something more, the healing of it. And I I, I remember specifically one time in one of these classes having this experience of talking about how I don't trust men and how I felt really used by them and then seeing 
oh, it's not that I don't trust them. It's that I don't trust myself to be able to express what I really want and don't want with them. That was so big. (laughs) Oh, that was probably one of the most pivotal moments. And then of course, doing the work to start to trust myself and speak. I can, I can very much relate to that of like being afraid of being controlled by men or being afraid of their power. But then that, that really just had to do with me not trusting myself to speak up and act in my power. There's a really kind of fine line or blurred gray line when it comes to like the feminine and masculine work about like letting the man lead, being your feminine. There's been times in my life where I've confused that because when I was little, I was very like combative, like very, very like defensive, you know? And it, and it wasn't seen as feminine. Like I, I clearly remember the boys didn't like that. And so somewhere in there in my psyche, what got confused is like, you better be docile, you know, you better like not speak up in any way that will show kind of, yeah, like, yeah. So, so that's, I can, I can relate to that, that I was scared of men's anger or power or control because there was no access for me to be in my power. Um, in those moments, it was really about, yeah, fear of losing myself, not as much, um, fear of them. Yeah. You nailed it completely. Like this fear of losing ourselves or myself was so strong. And actually like, what if I say what I want? What if I speak up or say what I don't want? And then, you know, it doesn't happen. Right. Like the fear of like rejection was so strong you know, my self-worth was so low, like just unbelievably low. I had none, right? Like, so I tried to just give my body away, like, you know, do all these other things to get crumbs of attention, you know, attention and affection. And it's like, so if I risked, if I risked telling the truth of what I wanted, it was just, there was way too much on the line because if I wasn't able to get it, there were no then it would obviously confirm all the things I believe about myself, all the negative things, right? So for me, that was probably the biggest one. Yeah, I'm curious, looking back, what was your relationship with the pace of everything unfolding? Because it seems like it was something that was really, really repressed for you. Suddenly you feel your feelings and it's like Titanic, like fuck what is happening. <laughs> like, okay. All these things are mechanisms for like deeper insecurities. Okay. Um, if I'm really honest, I had just like massive resistance in the process for years. Massive. I was, I was a little shit in the process. <laughs> Like uh, my teachers, my coaches can all tell you, I mean, on one hand, I I could tell like this was for me. Like this was the path I needed to be on of reconnection to my, my feelings and healing all this deeper buried stuff and et cetera, et cetera. And it was painful. Like it was just, I mean, first of all, I had all this shame. I felt like I felt pathetic crying. I felt weak. I felt like, you know, I conditioned myself to not just be cool and fine, but to be strong. And I had so much judgment 
around like sadness and tears and grief specifically. And I had also, you know, in my early journey with healing work, had gotten really deep into spirituality and had like thwarted or bastardized a lot of the concepts just to keep me sane. Uh, So I had, you know, taken on these like forgiveness practices around my family, you know, like I thought I had released all the past and like all the hurts and all of that. And here it was being revealed that I had in fact not released anything, you know, and I had all of the same, all of this trauma. And I, I was in this place of like, I should be over this. I should have accepted already. I should be, you know, like, why, <laughs> why am I so fucked up and feeling all of this still? So I was like spiritually, like trying to bypass everything. And I had, I had spiritually tried to bypass everything rather in the past. And now everything's fucking coming up. It was a lot, tons of judgment around that, that whole process. Yeah. And I would definitely like try to run away constantly from, from it, from classes, from coaches, try to cancel, try to get some teachers out. It was, I was not who I am today. Let me tell you, it was not, it was not pretty. Oh my gosh. That's funny. I'm a little bit of a masochist. So I'm like, I, I, I don't run away so much from the work, but I, I was running away from men, you know, but mm. not running away from the work, but I've come back. Okay. You come back. So I, one of my teachers was like, you're like an alley cat. Okay. Like you, like, you know, you're all ferocious and wild and like, you know, you like to attack and stuff, but the, and you run away. Like you don't want to like, come into the house and be domesticated, right? And taken care of. So you keep running away, but you keep coming back because you want the milk and you want a little bit of the love. And, and so I, like my soul knew, that's why I call my work now like soul you know, coaching because my, the deeper part of myself knew and kept bringing me back, even though my fucking human mind, my ego was terrified and fighting. Wow. So you had the, that internal journey like, you know, feeling your feelings, healing your trauma. And then, and then what was the, what was the kind of work you were doing to, um, heal your relationship with men? Like how, you know, you, you had all this conditioning around them. Like what, what did you do to change your, your perspective, your feelings, all of it? Yeah. I mean, it was a combination of external and internal. So I was doing this practice called orgasmic meditation, the partnered, you know, clitoral stroking practice getting my clitoris stroke for 15 minutes a day or however often. I mean, I did it uh, sometimes multiple times a day, sometimes, you know, once a week or whatever, but I was doing this practice in connection with men and, and like not men I was in relationship with, just men who had also learned the practice. And so I was like cultivating this, like this connection with them that didn't require me to give more than what was agreed upon inside of the, the, the container of the practice. So I, I didn't owe them anything. I didn't have to give them sex. I had never felt used because it's like the attention was, was, you know, on me and my body. And I could ask for my desires inside this practice and, and like have them meet it. And, and, you know, with regard to stroking, like a little more to the left or more pressure, like those kinds of desires I could ask for. And so over time, I started to just feel safer in connection with men and feel like, oh, wow, there are men who like, want to receive my desire who can receive me and my desire who can just be with me and not expect more than what 
I want to give where there's no pressure, where I don't owe them anything. You know, all these things started to be healed uh, through that practice and through a, a lot of internal work at the same time. I mean, there was a whole journey of doing tons of coaching and inner child work and winding the painful beliefs around men, the stuff that I told you, uh, you know, the, 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 what my mom said and other things I had taken on being, you know, just in those dynamics for a long time with men. I was, I mean, t- mostly a lot of belief work and inner child work a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine exactly. Cause that was something that was like etched in you. And then, and then now you have all this new evidence, right. That was, New evidence that was dis- discrediting all of these things that you had in you. Wow. Yeah, it was huge. And and I also did 12 step. I, I'm still in it, you know, for adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families. There's this beautiful program called ACA, tons of 12 step in that, you know, to unwind my relationship to, to myself, my childhood, but to men as well. And God, that, I mean, that's just been in the last, like, three years that I've been doing that dramatic, dramatic healing through that around my relationships with men, but it wasn't direct. It's like, it wasn't coda. It wasn't some like slaw. It wasn't directly about love and relationship. It was actually about healing my inner child who felt like she wasn't worthy of receiving love and affection because she was in such a violent home and she wasn't worthy of a safe, healthy man or relationship or anything good at all in her life, healing that. And then from a healed internal place, being able to live that out in the world and attract that, create new relationships from that place of knowing that, oh, I'm worthy. I deserve goodness. I deserve safety. I deserve love. Like literally just in the last couple of years. It's such an important point that you just brought of how the root of so many things is your sense of worthiness. I was just talking to a client about you know, she was complaining about money stuff. And so I, you know, we got into the conversation about like, well, do you feel like you're worthy of receiving? And she was, she, she was speechless. It's like, she'd never asked herself that question before. And I don't know, have you, have you seen the movie Perks of Being a Wallflower? There's a quote that says, we accept the love we think we deserve. Oh yeah. That quote I've definitely heard. And that was my history. Even when I started to open up to trust men, I still, so it was like, I was healing and doing this practice and like starting to trust them. And I was starting to date and actually admit, okay, I'm looking for something more. And I even got into a long-term relationship, but I still had this unworthiness that I was carrying with me. So I was having these experiences of relationship and really toxic, you know, dynamics, toxic love with air quotes you know, because it was, ma- it was a match for the deeper thing inside me. I still felt like, you know, that like, okay, I, I deserve, I want a relationship and I can tr- kind of trust men, but I still, I deserve, you know. And you can go for shit. a totally different type of guy, but you're still carrying the same unworthiness. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really real. It's been my absolute experience that I've created. So let's, let's fast forward to this, you know, relationship that you're in now. And so you, you shared with me that, I don't know if it was like before you started dating or during, but it was a really big deal for you to admit that you even wanted a relationship. Yes. Yes. So that admission ha- happened before this current relationship. It, it happened 
before it just short before my last relationship, I, and so I'd been years of being in this like healing work. I could, I finally, like I was starting to date, but I wasn't like fully like owning how much I wanted like a, a long-term partnership right, to spend my life with a relationship. And, and then the bigger vision was this long-term partnership and God, I was at this retreat and I just, it was like a new year's retreat. We were just doing all of this <laughs> reflecting on our, on our deepest desires, what we wanted for the year ahead and, you know, not new year's resolutions, but like real desires. And this was the thing that like kept burning up inside of me, like oh, I want a relationship. And I actually want, at that point, I wanted a relationship more than anything else in my life, more than like even to have the next level of success in my work. And that felt so humiliating to admit, like, I want that more than anything. Like I couldn't, I couldn't admit it out loud. Okay. So I kept trying to say all these other desires. <laughs> I was like, hell no. And that this is where I still had this, um, this judgment of like, there was still like little remnants of cool girl left in me at that time of like, and wanting to be different. Like, I don't want to be this like typical woman who like, all she cares about is finding her partner, her man, having, you know, the, the wedding, the, you know, the kids, the da, 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 da. but literally it's exactly what I wanted. I was like, I want a partner. I want to have two kids. I want to have a house. I want the life. God damn it. You know, <laughs> I didn't want to admit it. So I still had a little bit of cool girl in me. Anyway, I kept sharing all these other desires, like in these like exercises that we were doing and none of them felt true. And the teachers kept reflecting that back and I could feel it in my own body. And then finally I, I, there was like a, this beautiful ritual that was set up and we had to get really still and feel into like this the one desire that we wanted to write down on this little piece of paper, like the, the one thing we wanted for the year ahead. And well, I wrote that desire. I want a relationship and like everything, like it felt like, like, the walls like of like the great wall of china like around me like just like rippled open like something in my whole being shifted when i finally wrote that and then said it out loud as part of this exercise and then literally not even a week after is when i opened to it took connect with this guy who had been in my life already. He was a friend and he was a partner in, in my orgasmic meditation practice when we started connecting more deeply and then started dating and then we ended up being in a two and a half year relationship. It only came from me being willing to admit that desire. Oh my gosh. It really took something. <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't just that moment, right? It's like all of the, like the work that you just mentioned, it starts from that night with that guy. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it, exactly. It had, everything had been leading me up to that moment, but it was that, that was really important for me to like fully claim it. Right. Like something about like fully claiming our desires all the way and like owning it without shame, you know? So then, yeah, we spent two and a half years in, in relationship. It, that was such a growth inducing experience, a lot of healing and a lot of suffering. It was you know, that's what the quote you said was really apparent in that relationship. Like we were just not, we were not aligned in a deeper level. And I kept trying to 
make it work. I kept, I kept using like force to try to make him change. Um, I allowed a lot of behaviors that were, you know, like cheating, like multiple times. I just kept allowing that. Um, and, you know, cause I thought this is the best that it could be like, finally, somebody that wants to be in relationship with me, you know, is here. And I claimed my full desire and he showed up like, this must be it. Let me try to like mold him and me to have this. And, uh, there was a, there was a lot of good, but it was, yeah, it was really intense and, and painful as well. Uh, and then blew up in the end. Something that I love telling myself is even this is part of the journey. So it's like, claim your desire. And so life is going to give you everything that's going to broaden. Like, it's like you were thrown everything that brought up those limiting beliefs that you still needed to clear out. Right. So it's like, even that was part of you getting your desire. Oh, I a hundred percent since, you know, leaving that relationship, I can see how, I mean, not in even a spiritual bypass way, because I did spend a lot of time letting myself be a victim, letting myself be resentful, like all of it, like I purposely letting that energy out so that I could get to the deeper thing of seeing the lessons, being grateful, plant medicine, ayahuasca. Thank you for helping me so much for, with that process. <laughs> and, you know, but, but I can see now so clearly like how I needed to be in that particular relationship in that form, just to unwind the things that were still there. It's like, oh, I could admit I want a relationship, but yeah, I still don't think I'm worthy of the full thing. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm snapping. Like, I, I want you to say that again. You admitted you wanted one, but you still didn't feel worthy of the whole thing. Yeah, I had this deep program that I needed to um, struggle in order to have anything in my life. And that really that I need not struggle, suffer, that I'm here to suffer. And, and that came from all the suffering of my childhood and, and, you know, wanting my parents to change, wanting everything to change and wanting it to be the one to change them. Right. It's like all of that came forward in that relationship. That's what I had to accept as a child, you know? And so I thought the same here, this is what I have to accept. There's nothing more for me, nothing better. But, you know, thankfully due to him and that journey we had, I got to really let that one go. Yeah, no, I, I just, you sharing this is so important because it just like makes me think of, let's say like practicing a, a role for a play, you know? The amount of times you're going to fuck up, the amount of times you're going to get the lines wrong, the amount of times, like all the insecurities that are going to come up, all the, you know, practices you're going to need to learn that that's the case for everything, including a relationship, you know, like you're going to put yourself out there and say, I want this, but then, yeah, like then there's, then there's the sharpening that needs to happen and the deep unlearning and, and all this stuff. Yeah. But it's worth it. That's exactly it. Oh, I love that. The sharpening. It reminds me of this roomy quote, let me see if I don't butcher it about like, how will you, uh, I don't know, is it shine? Or if you don't let yourself be polished, something like that, I, I had to be polished, right. In order to become the woman who could have like the actual thing. I had, and that was the, that relationship was the sharpening, the polishing, like it was, it was the initiation. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh my God. It's just such a different way of looking at it. And I can, I can relate. I mean, I've always been very clear about the kind of love that I want, but then there's a difference between my desire and then like my inner child that still runs the show. 
that do I see myself with that man that I really, really want? Like, well, I'm going to have to do some work to really feel worthy of him, you know, and feel like I can receive his love. Exactly. Oh my God. Yeah. I realized mostly afterwards, right. After I was doing a lot of excavating, how much was in the way of, of receiving the kind of man that I wanted. Cause I, I had, I had my desire list of the qualities that I wanted, the values that I wanted to share in relation to all that stuff. You know, I had done some work before getting into that relationship. I didn't just write my desire on a piece of paper. There was, there was a lot, but man, the subconscious was really just running the show. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, here we are. <laughs> um, so there's one thing that I would love for you to talk about. One more thing. Yeah. And, and I, there's one thing I want to share too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I want to share it. Like I'm in an amazing relationship now. Yes. That's, that's, what, I, that's what I want you to talk about now. And specifically, you, you mentioned that you, you like every day you've had to make the conscious choice to choose to open yes. and commit all the way. And then there was like, you even said, like, I really want to talk about what, what it means to commit all the way and what it means to choose to open. So let's talk about this wonderful your relationship, relationship you're in now and how you create that through opening and committing. Yeah. I will say that I took over a year, maybe it was a year and a half off from men, sex, anything after my last relationship. I was just like, I need to, like the polishing was happening in that relationship, but there was more that needed to happen like on my own. And I didn't want to go back to the pattern of just having a bunch of casual sex to like numb out. I was like, I'm going to feel it all and like look at it all and be with it. And yeah, so I did that. And and then when I moved to LA from New York, I I met this, this man who also actually was a, a partner from orgasmic meditation. And we were just friends at first. And it was very apparent that there was like this, this chemistry between us, but he wasn't exactly in my preferences, you know, and like he's, he's significantly older, 18 years older. Okay. Uh, yeah. And that's the main thing. I was like, ah, that's not, you know, on my preference list. And I just kept feeling into the truth of our connection. Not just like, the, it's not even like sexual chemistry and that I'm talking about. It's like, oh, this man has really beautiful attention. It feels good when I'm in his presence. I feel so received. I feel so seen. I feel so like poured into when, you know, I spend time with him. Like the deeper things that are important to me were being fulfilled just in platonic connection. It's like, he is a wonderful man. Like, I don't even want to say a good man. It's like wonderful man and his heart so big, you know, and I, and I can be me with him so fully, so openly with ease. I don't have to pretend to be anything. And, or that, you know, I don't, I wasn't feeling like, not that I ever had to, but I wasn't, I was feeling really safe. And yeah, so we, we, I asked him actually if he wanted to explore more deeply together, but it only came after me like really battling with like the preferences versus the truth of what was right in front of me. You know, again, shout out to ayahuasca because there was this one ceremony, literally there was this one ceremony where the medicine was like open to him. He is really good for you. Like I got this clear message, saw his face, like 
yeah, there was this whole other thing where I'd been kind of like fantasizing about this other guy that um, I had connected with, not sexually, but just connected with um, before meeting him. And like some of the old patterns were like being pulled on of like longing for an unavailable guy and whatever. So I was in that journey of like seeing both paths, like continued longing, being in the fantasy or, or open to what's in front of me. And yeah, so when I came back from that journey, I had a phone call with him and, and, and we ended up, you know, deciding to go on our first date. I, I kind of hinted at it. I didn't I ask him out directly. I was like, you know, I want to make space for more of our desires in this, in this connection. Like, you know, I was like, if we want to like hang out, you know, not just when we get together to have orgasmic meditation, you know, if we want to go for a walk or, um, uh, you know, go on a date. And just, I couldn't do it directly. I was so nervous. Oh, that's so sweet. But you know, like you gave him the chance to initiate, right? That's- I really did because immediately he was like, a date? I'd love to take you on a date. <laughs> and I knew that I'd been feeling it, you know, from him. But, you know, so I chose to like put that in the space and to open. And there wasn't, it was amazing. Our first date, it was really sweet. It, it wasn't an easy journey. Like after we started dating, I had to continually keep seeing the man in front of me and the deeper things that I was wanting for myself in, in relationship with a man and connect with my own worthiness. Because here's the thing, like I was, I had these preferences and, and these fantasies about the type of guy I want. And then like, it just, you know, it wasn't, I mean, he's really attractive. It's just not my normal preference. Right. So I had to like, that was a whole thing. Like, but I'm so attracted to him. Like now that I really let myself be fully in the relationship. But at first it was kind of like, this is not my type. This older. So I had to keep coming back to the present of like the deeper things. And he, all that stuff that I said about his attention and his heart and my God, he's so chivalrous too. Like he literally opens the car door every time, like walks ahead of me to open the door. Like all, I'd never had like someone who is so just beautiful and generous. That was a lot for me to have so much for me to, like, I would sometimes want to contract because I didn't feel fully deserving. And I literally on my own, after seeing him and feeling the contraction, I would go and do inner child's work. I would talk to her remind her she's worthy, like, and open again. And then I would have conversations with him and name where I closed and just recommit to opening. It was this like really vulnerable process. So it, the commitment to the opening is, is, it was work, you know, it was like, active, it was an active process that I was engaged in. And, and a lot, I hear a lot of personal responsibility. Like what's happening is inside of me, not outside of me. Like there's the closing is happening here in my body. In my- yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There was a lot of that, even naming that sometimes when we eventually, we went really slow. So when we eventually did have sex and feeling like I was so scared to like open all the way, cause open, you know, by that point, my heart and my, my pussy were connected. It wasn't cool. Girl. I, I, I couldn't do what I used to do anymore and cut myself off from my feelings. So I was like, scared to open and so I would have this process of opening a little and closing and our sex and I I it, w- it was like it wasn't anything he was doing it was me and I would name that I would pause sometimes and name it take a moment breathe and okay open again it was all yeah it's all in here it's absolutely all this like work that we get to, I wasn't say have to but get to 
commit to doing for ourselves the practice of opening. Nobody can do it for you. I had the safest and have the safest man. <laughs> right. And I'm still having this. It was about me. Yeah. And honestly, I don't know about you with your clients, but I hear that a lot. Like a lot of women who are like, I don't understand. He's a king. He'll do anything for me. And yet, like, I'm not, I'm not feeling turned on in my sex or I'm feeling mm-hmm. this or that or not available. And, and yeah, because like you said, it happens inside us. And we, and I think that's very, it brings me a lot of hope because it means we don't really have to spend that much time changing the outside. We can just look inside and see what's happening. Yeah. I mean, that's the bulk of the work, I think. Like, yes, there are things that can happen in connection with the other and like sometimes adjustments that are needed in the relationship or that, they, you know, places where they could grow, but the bulk. And the thing that you said about, um, well, sometimes, we're, you know, like we're not turned on in our sex, even though he's a king, he's amazing. At least for me, so much of that had to do with my former addiction to unavailability and fantasy and intensity like to to have something good and safe was like kind of boring kind of boring you know but in like a good way and I had to get used to that actually like get used to that being good and like opening to this like the nourishment available inside of that rather than like the, the high, the chemical hive and uh, the other thing of longing, pining, hoping, wishing, you know, that they would become who I want them to be. Yeah. Such a process. Yeah. I, you know, it, it reminds me of like my own process in sexual interactions without alcohol. Mm-hmm. You now it's like, at first it was just, it felt so boring or numb. I'm like, I don't understand. I don't feel anything. <laughs> And, and it's like, yeah, my body was relying on something and I had to give it some time to, to feel it, to feel again. Yeah, exactly. I just, I really want to reflect just in hearing your whole story. What I'm hearing is a lot of like you taking these steps and not knowing the answers, like not knowing what the hell's going on. You just kind of like, it's a combination of like the universe nudging you back to yourself, but then you also setting that desire in the world and then things coming your way. And then, and then you having the willingness of looking at them, like, you know, this is part of my journey and I get to learn from this and use it for my, for my process. I don't know if you, you're familiar with, um, the last quote from E pray love from the movie. I did watch the movie, but I don't know the quote. What is it? I'm obsessed with Elizabeth Gilbert. I'm not obsessed, but I love her. (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, I'll read you this quote. And I really think like this just describes your journey so much. In the end, I've come to believe in something I call the physics of the quest, a force in nature governed by all by the laws of gravity. The rules of the quest of physics go something like this. If you're brave enough to leave behind everything familiar and comforting and set out on a truth seeking journey, either internally or externally. And if you're truly willing to regard everything that happens to you on that journey as a clue and if you accept everyone you meet along the way as a teacher, and, you're, and if you're prepared most of all to face and forgive some of the most difficult realities about yourself, then the truth will not be withheld from you. Wow. Full body chills hearing that. I'm, I'm a fuck yes to that. That is exactly it. What I am devoted to is each nugget of truth on the journey, one foot in front of the other, welcoming it all in. 
Yes, and using it, alchemizing it. Oh, that's so beautiful. I want send me that quote, please. Yeah, I will. <laughs> that's it right there. And I had no idea where the hell I was going, where the, any of this was going to lead me. I entered into this like realm of, you know, what we call feminine healing and thinking my body was broken, learning about a pussy stroking practice. And it led me on this whole journey of reclaiming my feelings, connecting with my voice, my desire, my truth, my power my tenderness, my, you know, my little one, my worthiness, right? Like I had no idea that any of that was to come. Beautiful. Yeah. I really wanted just for people to hear that, like anyone who's listening and is facing some uncertainty to like that, you know, they might be walking in a dark cave, but there's another, another side. (laughs) There's a, there's an exit to this. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so, so much for sharing your journey. I can't wait to hear just where, how it keeps unfolding. I just, yeah, I want to give you this opportunity to share about what's going on in your life and if there's anything you want to invite people to. Yeah. So I'm um, what's going on in my life and my work. I am, I've got my upcoming women's plant medicine and somatic healing retreat in Mexico. That's in December 9th through 13th. And so that's a deep dive into, you know, the, the limiting beliefs and, and patterns that are standing in the way of you having the, the life that you really want. And, and it's a combination of like the ayahuasca work that I mentioned with the somatic coaching. And then, yeah, I mean, I'm doing coaching one-on-one with people. I'm taking some women right now through this journey called Healing the Blocks to Love. It's a group program that I used to run, but I'm just doing it with some women that have come to me one-on-one. It's a lot about looking at these, these uh, patterns specifically inside of yourself and, and with the ma- and in relation to the masculine and love. You know, I'm finishing up this training actually right now. This is really big and I'm, I'm excited. I've been in a two-year training for the Hakomi method. Hakomi is this like somatic psychology to, uh, technique that's just so beautiful and profound. So I'm finishing that up next month and offering some uh some specials to work with me just like three session packages if you want some deep somatic work and you know gentle loving healing to unwind like the subconscious stuff that's harder to reach just through talking and coaching Mm, i love that yes guys reach out to her this homie is beautiful it's just like you said very gentle but deep and I just love the like permission that it gives for things to arise. There's not much to do, right? It's just letting things arise. Letting the, the organic wisdom of the body reveal. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tanai. Hey, you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Commitment Phobe. If you like what you heard, make sure to share with your friends, your lovers, your ex-lovers, anyone that you think could benefit from having a conversation like this one. And... It would be super helpful if you subscribed and left a five-star rating on iTunes to make sure that this podcast gets spread around to as many listeners as possible and we can start changing the conversation that we have around intimacy and relationships. If you want to find out more information about what I do as a women's coach and some of my other projects that I'm working on, you can find my information in the bio of this episode or you can reach out to me directly on Instagram and shoot me any questions that you have. See you next time.